Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. So good. So good. I love that last question. Um, how long is your shadow? Not a powerful question because the shadow represents how long is your influence? Where does it reach to? And uh, it reaches out to uh, my prayer is that I'm reaching into the life of my grandchild or children right now and uh, just asking God to allow me the privilege to have an influence on their lives. But I want it to go beyond them to their children and their children. And hopefully my shadow is like forever long. That would be great because I'm not very tall. So it's going to take a, a lot for me to get that shadow going a long ways. And so um, we're blessed to have uh, David Braff with us and, and, and Dominic Aguirre, and we'll introduce them a little bit more in just a moment. But I, I want to first say again to you fathers, happy Father's Day. Um, uh, I'm glad you're here. And moms, don't tune out. This is going to be great information. And ladies and single people and everybody that is here, don't tune, tune out. This is not just for dads. But it will focus on the influence of a father. The influence of a father. All of us have influence. Every human being in the room. And dads, uh, you have a significant place of influence in your child's life. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about this morning. Let me, let me uh, kind of set the tone for the meeting and, and kind of give you some pic a picture of the, the kinds of uh, both negative and positive influences that parents have on, on children, especially dads. Nearly 20 million children in America, that's almost one in four, live without a father in the home. Nearly... Uh, that's 20 million children. Now listen to the impact that a fatherless home has on kids. Just picture that 20 million. Out of that 20 million, 71% of all high school dropouts come from homes with absent fathers. 85% of all youth in prison come from fatherless homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway children come from fatherless environments. And 70% of teen suicides occur in homes where there isn't a dad. So there's a, a correlation of uh, fatherlessness and its negative influence. Now there's positive, obviously. In an analysis over, of over 100 studies on parent-child relationships, it was found that having a loving and nurturing father was as important for a child's happiness, well-being, and social and academic success as having a loving and nurturing mother some studies even indicated father love was a stronger contributor to some important positive child well-being outcomes. So father has a huge level of influence in a child's life. One of the most vital aspects of a dad's contribution to the lives of his kids lies precisely in what Dr. Popino calls his significantly different parenting style. So the suggestion is that parent dads parent very differently than moms, okay? <laughs> and um, men and women are different. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Yeah, heavy on the amen there. As a result, mothers and fathers parent their children differently. Dads, for instance, love their children more dangerously. Are you catching that? More dangerously. That's because they play rougher and are more likely to encourage risk-taking. They provide kids with the broader diversity of social experiences. They also introduce them to a wider variety of methods of dealing with life. Men deal with life differently than women. 
They tend to stress rules, justice, fairness, and duty and discipline. In this way, they teach children the objectivity and consequences of right and wrong. They give kids insight into the world of men. They prepare them for the challenges of life and demonstrate by example the meaning of respect between the sexes, which you'll address in just a few moments. In connection with this last point, research indicates that a married father is substantially less likely to abuse his wife or children than men in any other category. Isn't that fascinating? I remember when Karen came to me and she said, um, we'd, we'd been married for a few years, and she said, I'm pregnant. And I started crying. Not because I was happy. I was deathly afraid. And I was afraid not for myself, but for the child that was coming into the world that I was going to parent because I was afraid to be a dad. I didn't have a good example growing up. I didn't have this, this uh, overly loving dad. He loved me. I knew that. But we didn't get along. And the love that we shared was strange, if not awkward, and sometimes um, uh, weird. Or not, str not weird, but um, difficult. And so... I, I grew up with this, this not knowing how to parent a child and um, as a dad. And so grow, it, it finding out that I'm going to be one scared me to death. And I was like, oh, no, this poor child is going to have some tough bringing up going on. And, and I, was, I was nervous and all those kinds of things. So um, <clears throat> being a dad was scary. And I didn't realize the level of influence I would have on my children. And today, you know, I have to look at their husbands and go, sorry, some of that's my fault, <laughs> you know. And, uh, but hopefully, and, you know, and, and at the same time, much of what's good about them is my fault as well. And I pray that that's the case. Well, without, without Karen, there, there would be uh, a whole lot of mi missing parts in their lives, but I'm so blessed to be able to be a parent and a dad. And so this morning what we really want to do is talk about the influence of dads. And, and so we have David Braff and uh, Dominic Aguirre. David, uh, take a moment and tell these guys what you do, and then we'll get into the questions. Hi. Good morning, everybody. Um, my name is David Braff. I am a elementary school counselor. I currently work in West LA at a charter school that goes from transitional kindergarten through fourth grade. And I've been elementary counselor for about seven, eight years now, but I've been working in education for almost over 20, working with different various of grade levels and different types of schools, public and private. So he started his experience in education at three, from the looks of, uh, at two. Okay, good, good. You don't look old enough to have 20 years of experience, but it's great. Dominic, what do you do? Yeah, I'm uh, Dominic Aguirre, and I've worked with youth since 1997, and um, I've worked with at-risk youth, youth in um, juvenile hall, probation, um, uh, foster youth, uh, normal traditional high school youth, traditional school setting youth, and um, just different positions of youth. And right now I currently serve as a student assistance family program youth engagement specialist with the schools and work on a referral basis as students get referred to me and families on a concerned, once a concern has been identified that's beyond the scope of the school um, environment, then it comes to um, our tier two, tier three program, and which is where I come in and try to help and see what we do. It's great, it's great. 
and we're privileged to have these guys and their experience. I want to just say as kind of a, a little bit of a disclaimer that they are not here to talk on behalf of their school or school district, and they are here to give their own thoughts and opinions about, um, <coughs> about parenting and uh, fatherhood, their influence of fathers. Neither of them, am I right, are a parent at the, at the moment. So um, they're giving... I got two dogs. You have two dogs. Well, that works. That works. And I only one. Only one dog. Okay. So, uh, but that does not discount the value of their experience that they and, and, and the amount of children they uh, work with, and especially in the counseling level that they work with. So, they're here to uh, share. Let me share some scriptural thoughts with you guys uh, to begin with. First of all, Jesus was heavily influenced by his father. If you read um, in uh, the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5 through 7, you'll find out that Jesus says father or addresses his father 17 times. And so there's a heavy influence of fatherhood and a, and a perspective of fatherhood that uh, Jesus was very aware of. Ephesians 6, 4 says this, fathers do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them in, up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And that word exasperate means don't wear them out with just foolishness and just uh, kind of running them through the, 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 what's that called? The hamster wheel um, of, the, of parenting. But uh, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Proverbs 23, 24 says, The father of a righteous child has great joy. A man who fathers a wise son rejoices in him. And that um, righteousness and wisdom does not come without the influence of a father. So really, really a big deal. And so... With that said, I want to get right into the questions and start asking you guys um, first, and, and probably we'll start with kind of the end and then work our way into some details, but what is the value of a father's influence? How have you seen the value of a father's influence impact children? Um, being in schools in different levels, um, I've seen kids develop with parents that are together, kids that only have single dads, single moms, and it is really night and day, just in the daily lives and observations that I've noticed in especially school-age kids working with that young. And it starts at everything from how they come into the school, how they greet an adult, the respect they show, the communication and words that they say is night and day because with values that are taught from parents, especially dads, I'm a very firm believer that when fathers are involved, it does promote strength and um, effectiveness in an inner self of a child. And Pastor, with studies regarding, studies show that children that show affectionate and support in children's lives promote that inner strength and help their cognitive and social-emotional development as well. Since being a counselor, I see a lot of this social-emotional learning and in schools that is heavily ties into academics as well. So starting a child early in their social emotional, it starts in the home and whatever is the makeup of the home, whether it's single parent or families together, makes up that child, especially at a school age level. That's good, that's good. So Dominic, back to that same question, what is the value of a father's influence? What, how, how, is, how have you seen a father's influence different than maybe one, a, a kid that doesn't have the father's influence? Um. It goes either way. I think the value of father's influence, whether the father is in the home or not, could either be good or bad, and that just depends on the father. And 
the mindset, but also the um, the the faith that the father has and what they're bringing into the home and into the lives of the people that they're supposed to be influencing as the head of the household. Um, when you look into the right order of God, when when it comes to the right orders, um, but I would say that you know it, it could go either way because it could be good in a way where you have children that aren't afraid to show um, empathy towards others and that's something that you'll see in more often in a you could see in a two-parent home where the father is also displaying the empathy um, showing them that it's okay it could be a male or a female student it doesn't matter Um, or it could be a father hugging his female um, his daughter in a time of need showing empathy again in a different way in that need I think the other thing is where it could go either way is when the father's in the home but not present in the home, um, either, um, you know, having their, you know, not present in the mind or just doing other things that aren't as important to the family, not in the right order of putting the, you know, God, family, mm-hmm. and as it should be. Um, and what happens, I think, and what I've seen in my experiences is the kids stepping up to be the father, and that's unfair you know, the one taking care of the parent or the mom, you know, having to take care of the mom and clean up mom's mess or having to, to get ready for the siblings. It's just, it's different, you know, and I think it could go either way, I think. Right. Yeah, right. it just really just goes on to the values and our, our fathers looking at the right order as well when they bring it in into the home and the relationships, I guess. Sure. Yeah, yeah so the, ki- the, the, the child tends to get lost in, in what role they're playing if the child, if the parent isn't, both parents aren't in the home, because they tend to substitute uh, for one or the other. And if the, it, especially if it's a single, p- single mom home, then the mom may be relying on the, on the kids to kind of be that sounding board that the dad would, would sometimes be in, in that situation. You mentioned, David, I want to come back to a thought that you brought up, um, that respect is, is one of those evidences of uh, whether a dad is in the home or not. And uh, you tend to see in kids that have a fatherless home that there's little or no respect or loss of respect for uh, figures of authority and the way they communicate. Right. Um, The respect um, is nine day. And in my past experiences with children that I've worked with and supported um, social emotionally, those students, I could tell, that have come up to me and said that, you know, they wish that they've had a dad or they treat their best friend's dad like it's their own because they really want to have that connection and that powerful, you know, entity in their lives. Right. And, you know, it's sad to say, like you mentioned too, Pastor, it's like they kind of take the burden or if there's no dad there, and it's only single mom, they kind of think like it's their fault that the reason there's no dad as well. So they kind of take the blame for it, which is not the case at all. And they walk around feeling guilty. But I think one of the most powerful things is that loss of respect. When, and, and this is hard for single moms and uh, moms with an absent dad. Even if dad is in the home, sometimes he can be absent, right? And, um, but moms then have to play two roles of the grace giver and the discipliner and the, the and and all of that becomes confusing because sometimes you want to be the grace giver and then other times you have to be the the, the kind of draw the line and you know toe <coughs> toe the line and 
and the, the, the kid is like, what? what we're, who, who are you today? Are you mom or are you dad? You know, and, and that gets confusing. And then the respect is lost because there's no consistency. There's no authority that they're actually um, gaining perspective of. That's really, really good. You guys, thank you. And by the way, you guys, um, this is a, a toolbox series. So the whole fa uh, Faith and Family series has been about trying to give you small tools that you can put in your toolbox to take home and better parent or grandparent. And so um, pick up things as, as we go along. Not everything's going to apply, but some things will. And moms and everybody that, that relates to kids, you can pick up these tools as well. So what's the difference that you see in uh, kids that are influenced by dads and in kids that aren't influenced by dads. Go ahead, Dominic. Um, <clears throat> I would say the influences and the differences that you would see are um, definitely the, the outlook of life, the goals, I would say, um, uh, being able to reciprocate emotions and things that are done to you, but also um, in a positive way, um, you know, it's it's just I don't know. I would say uh, what the the one that sticks out the most to me, and I don't mean a downpour on Father's Day, <laughs> but you know, working with youth for so long and youth that are in need, but also parents in need. The one common thing, and I was just thinking about this after last serv service. What was the one common trend that I saw a lot in youth that I worked with that have passed away every year that I've worked with with the youth, and it's always been um, no father. And that is something that, um, that, you know, we consider that I think of work being undone still because that's still an issue. And that was, I don't know if that's like a definite stat, but in my work, it's what I see. And um, it could be the kids working with them saying, I don't want to become him, I don't want to become him. And then they do, and they end in the same um, ending as their parent. But so it shows like that influence, but what is the father giving back and bringing into the home because you we go into different settings and I've seen and observed men act different ways in different settings but then when they're around their children they're completely different and um and kids notice that too more than anything and I think it's the love that they bring in but you also see the lack of love missing just within the child and hope versus two parents versus one parent you know homes um and specifically, the father, in the work I see working with foster and homeless youth, um, I see a lot of uh, children looking for that father figure in the wrong places because that's what's missing. And, um, yeah. So the, the emptiness of, of I, I want to make this one thing clear because I think it can be misconstrued. We're not saying that single moms are ineffective. We're not saying that at all. In fact, they're trying the hardest to play both roles and to give both kinds of love that but a, a mom can never give a father's love to its fullest potential because it's just not natural and so um, we want to just make that clear but at the same time we want to say that that there, this impact of a missing father sounds like missing love missing uh, kind of boundaries of an outlook on life they they see that you start life with a, without a father and you see life through the lens of kind of man this life sucks for that you know for lack of better term um, I'm sure there is a better term than than that but <laughs> um, life is, is lousy because it, it's hard it's difficult mom's struggling 
and um, and it's difficult. And Dad isn't here, and so I'm missing something that uh, I need in my life. Differences that you see. Um, the one thing, like Dom said, was um, you know kids have that missing void in them, and I've noticed like you know in the school setting um, that school age kids who don't have that full guidance in the homes. Also another thing I notice is they tend to follow the wrong cliques. They tend to follow the wrong peers. And if their peer has a dad or a mom that's not the best influence, then they're gonna go by that as well because they're like, you know what? I don't have a dad. I'm gonna do what their dad is doing. So I think not having that full influence as well can not only themselves, but can also affect their daily social interactions, wrong crowds, and then, you know, if that starts early, it could negatively, ultimately, be a negative trend as they get older into middle and high school where they could pick up more bad behavior. Yeah, it's really interesting. If you study, David's saying a very powerful uh, truth here. If kids will always look for boundaries. There was a study done one time where um, if you put a fence around a school, the kids will play to the edge of the fences. You take a fence out, and they will play in the center of the playground. And because they, they are looking for boundaries. Any clique, any gang, any organized little group of people has boundaries. And they will look for them. If the home doesn't have them, they'll find some place, like you said, a clique, a, a group, a gang, something to give them boundaries and, and uh, wherever you go, no matter if it's, a, if it's an abusive situation or a non-abusive situation, everything has a boundary and the, and the child will kind of float to the one they're most comfortable with. And um, that can be dangerous, that can, but it can also be positive. And if there's good uh, groups for them to belong with, that's why um, uh, children's ministry is great, that's why youth ministry is great, which we are gonna hopefully start in the fall to some degree and um, all kinds of different things like that. So groups are important and a, a healthy influence, especially for uh, a fatherless home, um, to give them good uh, places to be. Very, very good, you guys. Um, <clears throat> what are some of the most important ways a father can influence their, ch their, their children? What are some of the things that they can do? Go ahead, David. Um, I think big thing pop in my head is, you know, communication. This can go for both parents as well, but since children learn and grow and have different relationships with fathers and mothers, I think early going, especially school ages, you know, communication, you know, being involved, um, and not just physically, but also, you know, mentally as well, just doing check-ins with them as simple as when they get home, so instead of saying how you're doing, you know how you get the short answer is good, I'm okay. You know, trying to elaborate at that. Why is it good? Why is it okay? Why wasn't it a good day? You know, talks at the dinner table, you know, having dinner together, having those communications because I think in the early going, when you establish that communication and that trust, you know, in the beginning and as they get older, you know, if there's conflict that arises and you know, Parents, conflicts do arise. You don't know when they're going to happen. But when they do arise, instead of getting, you know, like the slam door in the face when you're trying to talk to them, you know, you could still get that. But you could also, you know, have an easier time of having them open up to you, discussing what the problem is and resolving that conflict 
in a more nurturing, you know, setting than having to go through the rough patches and more obstacles in it. That's good. That's really good. So opening the door of communication. Um, I've been learning from uh, Josh and Taylor and, and uh, Ron and Trisha and, and Caleb and Stephanie. So they're, they're all the young families in my life right now. And, and I watch them when uh, their kids are having a moment. You know what that moment looks like? You know, and they're screaming and yelling and, you know, disobeying or doing something that they're pushing a boundary on. And um, what my method of, of uh, parenting, and, and I'm sorry, Stephanie and Taylor, um, but was like, you know, hey, stop that. Knock it off. Go sit down. Oh, it's timeout time. Oh, really? Spanking time. Okay? And, and that was kind of the, the progression of discipline. Now, uh, uh, like Josh the other day was like, um, um, Brooklyn, can you just use your words and tell me what's bothering you? I'm like, I really don't care what's bugging her. She just needs to stop, right? And so, um, and, and uh, I mean, that's what I used to think. I'm a little more tender than that. But um, so you're, they're training Brooklyn and they're training their kids, um, all three of these families, to have their child communicate what they're feeling and thinking and going through and experiencing at the moment, which opens the door of communication really young, really young. I think that's super helpful because now that's going to foster future communication, especially if you respond correctly to that. And you were talking about, Dominic, um, how to respond with the five love languages. Can you expound on that just a little bit? Yeah, um, I think, you know, when, um, when you look at the five love languages, if you're not familiar, there's been five love languages that have been identified in um, humans as receiving love, but also um, giving love back. And they could be acts of service, gift giving, quality time, um, intimate touch, and uh, I forget the last one, right? <laughs> but anyways, there's five. There you go. Words of affirmation. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Um, and uh, I think it's important for fathers, the greatest gift is just bringing love, but bringing love, you know, and explaining to the child, helping them identify what their love language is, but also what yours is, because parents tend to do things, um, I noticed, uh, and it could be, like, I do this all the time. I buy them these things. I give them this. I buy them this when they're gone. Yeah, you know, gift giving is your love language, but that's not how your child receives it. You know, how does your child really receive love? They want hugs, maybe, but that's not what I do. But sometimes we have to get out. We do have to get out of our comfort zone if we want to see changes in our relationships for positive because um, a lot of times... What I've seen is if a child's love language is intimate touch, you know, and the parents aren't giving it to them and teaching them the right intimate touch, they're going to go get it somewhere else. And, um, you know, it could be gift giving. They might be getting bad gifts from somewhere else from someone because they're getting that pleasure of receiving something from someone. It could be um, spending time with them. You know, um, I remember going for rides with my mom when I was little a lot and my dad buying gifts all the time for us. And I never understood, like, why it really didn't do anything for me. Um, but that was their way of showing love. You know, as I became older, you realize those things. And I think fathers and parents in general teaching their kids at an early stage what these are, it's an advantage in life big time because it's going to help your relationships, but it's also going to help the kids' relationships as they get older, working with adults, working with different people from different backgrounds that aren't like-minded. That's amazing. Those, those are two really good tools. Start communication early. So there's a toolbox opportunity. And then 
use the five love languages and there's a book out there called the five love languages Buy that book i think there's even one for kids and there so, is yeah so use that book and and use that as a tool to learn to communicate with your kids i think that's really really valuable it's really good stuff um last question i want to ask you guys and before uh, i'll kind of wrap it up but um <clears throat> what would you encourage dads to pick as their battle in today's world what what's the one thing that dads could do most to best influence their kids what's the battle they're going to pick um, to or or the the one thing they could do that's going to best influence them uh, for the future I say the one is um, you know just you know it goes being in the moment with your kids spending time with them um, when I was a kid growing up, you know, um, my parents at the time when I was younger, if I was doing good or if I was there trying to get me to tell them something or tell the truth or something, they would try and buy me things. And as a person, I know there's tons of parenting styles, but as a personal thing, um, I think buying materials is kind of like just putting the Band-Aid on right in the moment and not making the longer impression. So... Um, just being in the moment because, you know, time goes so fast. You, your child is two years old right now. Before you blink, they're going to be 12 or 15 at the time. So I think just being in the moment and one thing coming back to communication that I'm big on that I use in my practice and well as my personal is a term called restorative practices. And what that is, if you don't know, is taking something that you can do with your family member, your friend, or even your child at early ages is if they make a mistake, instead of, you know, scolding and all that, take the time to teach that, have a teaching moment with them, talk about it, why they did it, so in case that this situation comes up again, that they don't make that same mistake. And it can work with school-age children as well. We definitely promote that a lot, so... Before you go, I, I, I want to just emphasize the restorative practice is like redeem the moment. So when, it, when a moment goes bad, turn it to good. Turn it to a learning experience. Turn it to something that becomes a positive rather than a negative. Even though it might have a consequence, right? There's still this moment. Um, timeout is, is, is dangerous um, because when you timeout, typically parents, the way they timeout is you timeout, you sit them somewhere, and you leave them. And so the impression is that when you do something wrong, I abandon you. I isolate you and I abandon you. And so make your time out a redemptive moment or restorative practice Absolutely. and bring it to a good experience, even though they may not want to hear the lecture you're going to give or the, or the, the teaching you're going to give. Um, they need to hear it. At the it. moment, but they'll come around. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What's the one thing, Dominic? Uh, I would say I didn't realize this until I became an adult in my adult years. Um, but I would say faith, the one thing that a father could bring, you know, the most into this world, into their family, their child, or any relationship would be faith. Because um, when uh, my, after I got married, when my father-in-law passed, he wrote this Christmas story to his uh, parents the last year he was alive. And he wrote about a story, and it was the greatest gift that they could give him was faith. And since then, and you know, in my father's faith, you just see it in it. Along with faith, you have love, hope, prosperity, everything that falls in line. So it's whatever they be you believe in, but you need faith, you know. Yeah. And um, giving their children hope and picking them up when they fall and telling them, you know, it's okay. You know, it's okay to fall, 
And this is how you get back up. Right. You don't fall back, you fall forward. And what does fall forward look like? You know, it takes those lessons and that image of the Father that we mirror in our actions of God, but also that the, the, the household that the Father brings in uh, mirroring God as well. So good. Oh, that was, a, that was a great tool right there. Just model faith. And that's the way I'm going to wrap this up is I think we can, you know, take all these tools and use them. But the most important thing we can do in our lives is live out a faith, a faith in front of our kids. One of the things that I, I hope and I believe, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that my kids have picked up in my life is that when I've stumbled and fallen, I've one, admitted it. I've two, taken it to God. And especially when I went through a breakdown of my own and I pretty much became a useless individual as far as my, my circumstance was concerned and my well-being, I had to go to God. And God brought along a lot of things in my life that only God could have done. And I believe my kids saw that. The other thing I want to encourage is that we can live a, a, a living faith or a dead faith. The Bible says that with, uh, faith without works is dead. And I think the one thing that we can do is, as dads especially is do something for God and let your kids see it. Take them along. I love when, kid, when parents take their kids on missions trips. And uh, I love when uh, parents give them. Did, did your parents give you guys money to give in the offering when the offering plate used to come by, which it doesn't anymore? But um, uh, like we take offerings in, um, in the harbor for the kids and so when you give your kids money to give in the offering, they love that. They love giving that money unless you've taught them to hold on to it really tightly and not give it away. <laughs> then you give it to them and they pocket it and, <laughs> and go, go buy lunch at, <laughs> at school or something. But um, so when you live out the faith, not just talk about it. If you're just talking about your faith and talking about God, but nothing is visible um, that's actually what happened in my own home is that my dad would talk a lot about faith. He would talk a lot about God and, and it would even be tears about God, which told me that there was this tender heart that my dad had for God. But there was very little practice that went on. There was very little faith activity that went on. And um, we can either give them a, a dead faith or a living faith. And I would encourage you guys to Live out your faith. Get involved. Do something for Jesus. Step out. Show, them com show others compassion and let them see uh, you, you show compassion to others. Um, early on in t when Taylor and I would uh, go and we would uh, buy, we'd give the, the cashier at Starbucks 50 bucks and then we'd go sit in the corner and we'd watch as people came up and their, their bill was paid. And it was just really fun to see that. And we were doing that because we wanted people to feel joy, you know. And whether, whether you think people at Starbucks needed that or not, it didn't really matter. What mattered is that we were showing something of our love of God for people. And so uh, it's a cool thing. And she does that on her own now, and it's crazy. Um, and it's really fun to, to see. And both my kids are really generous people who love to um, express love to, to others. And so uh, part of that is me. A lot of that is Karen. And we're blessed to be able to see that influence. So how long is your shadow? How long is your shadow? How long is that point of influence in your life? And uh, yours is long because you're tall. Um, but uh, 
That's a natural thing, but you got to have that supernatural influence out there. I know. I, I just want to say something about both of these guys. I love them dearly. David is uh, aspiring to be a school administrator and loves to, to make a difference in, in schools and students' lives. And uh, I'm excited for you. You've, you've accomplished your master's. I think you have two master's degrees, right? And uh, doing a great job. And, and Dominic is really um, on the cutting edge of helping um, reconciliation in families. And part of his progression in his profession has been to influence how uh, schools approach reconciliation and um, helping families kind of work it out, family systems things. So they're both doing great things for God and uh, making a big difference in our world. And I appreciate you guys so much. And I think you're heroes in my eyes for uh, all that you do. Thank you. And thank you for being here today. Yeah. So let's take a moment and pray. I hope that we've left you with a few tools in your toolbox, uh, dads and, and grandparents. And I just know that God's going to use us to extend our shadow across this world. Lord, thank you so much for this time that we've had together today. I pray, Father, for every dad in this room and every grandfather and every dad-to-be, Lord, that in, in some way we will take these uh, thoughts of wisdom and use them for your glory, that we would positively influence our kids, our grandkids, and the kids to come as we continue to make a difference in this world. Lord, give us fathers wisdom. Give us grandfathers insight as to how we can best influence our, these children, Lord, so that they know you and love you. Help us to live a living faith, not a dead faith. Help us, God, to embrace the, the needs and the the the, the um, individualities of, of the children that we are given responsibility for. And I thank you, Father, for these pieces of wisdom, the love languages, the time that we spend, the early conversations with our children. All of those things make a big difference to giving the, our kids the best chance of making it in this world. Lord, I pray your blessing on everyone here today, and we give you all the praise and all the honor in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.